We're in a series of messages that we're calling Next Steps. Everything in your life happens step by step. Very little happens in leaps and bounds. When you're building a business, it's step by step. If you're an athlete and you're trying to get better at your sport, it's step by step. Your child is maturing and developing and they don't do that in leaps and bounds. They do that step by step. Everything in life is step by step. If you're on a diet, it's step by step. If you're saving for retirement, it's step by step. Very, very little in life, things, very, very few times in life do things happen all at once. And the Christian life is no different than that. We go from one place in the Christian life to another place in the Christian life and those usually aren't very far places. It's just a step. And that's actually very good news. Because if I had to take a step from here all the way to way, way over there, that would be intimidating because I'm just right here and I don't know. I don't know what's way over there. I can't step over there. And the only thing I have to realize is take the step that's right here in front of me. I don't have to worry about what's a mile down the road. I don't have to worry about what's a year down the road. I just take the step that's right here in front of me. Dr. Martin Luther King says you don't have to worry about the staircase, you just got to worry about the first step. And that's absolutely true. And it's such a marvelous thing about life. If I had to worry about, you know, if I was 18 and had to worry about, you know, where I was going to be when I was 60, I would just freak out, man. I couldn't handle it. But the only thing I had to worry about was just the step that's right in front of me. Now, Christian life is no different. It's step by step by step. And I I always want to say this because I don't want anybody to get confused. Every now and then I'll have to ask somebody if they're a Christian and they'll give me some answer that's non-biblical like, well, I'm working on it. Well, I don't know what that means. You don't work on being a Christian. You either are a Christian or you aren't a Christian. And so you go from not being a believer to a believer by a choice, by a decision, by being born again, accepting Christ, receiving Christ. So that's kind of a, a big step, but there's a, thousands of little steps that you took along the way that leads you to that point of decision. As I've said, no one walks in this church an atheist and accepts Jesus that day. It just, it just doesn't happen that way. There's, there's, there's just steps along the way that God brings you along and he opens your hearts and minds and that's what we're talking about and we've already talked about several of those steps and we're going to continue to talk about them all the messages are on the internet if you'd like to to see them and today we're going to talk about a, a, a necessary step for all of us and and usually when we talk about this we talk about we think about in the financial realm and that's absolutely true because when we talk about being a good steward of something we usually think about finances and we're going to talk about that but being a good steward of things talk about is is covers a whole lot of of things um uh, god is just very concerned and very adamant with us that we're not owners we're stewards and that's a huge shift for a lot of people because the default for us is that we're owners but, but God needs for us to be able to claim all, many of the promises that he has in Scripture, especially the financial promises, is that we have to take a step away from ownership. And we have to step toward stewardship. 
Take a, take a step away from ownership and step toward stewardship. What is stewardship? Stewardship, a steward is one who just manages the resources of another. That's all that is. A, a steward is one who manages the resources of another. And whether it's finances or any other thing in life, many of the promises depend on us understanding that step away from ownership and to stewardship. That's, that's a mind shift. That's a thinking, that's a between the ears thing. You've learned now, haven't you, that all the Christian life, well, everything in life is between the ears. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds, the Bible says. That's why truth, God's word, the preaching and teaching of God's word, you reading the God's word, you getting it into your life and applying it to your life is so crucial because everything in life is between the ears. Everything in the Christian life is no different. And, and somewhere along the line, we have to take a step away from ownership and we have to t take a step toward stewardship. Being a steward is part of our identity. We talk about a lot about our identity in Christ. A lot of things in life depend upon how you see yourself. <laughs> and that's, that's between the ears, of course. A lot in life comes to how you see yourself and where you get your identity. Some little girl somewhere in Ohio last night lost her virginity to an older boy because her identity was in him. It happened somewhere last night because our identity was in him. Somebody, somebody took their first drink of alcohol in the backseat of a car last night because their identity was in the guys in the car that was encouraging them to do that. Identity determines behavior. Identity determines behavior. And part of the way we're to see ourselves is we're to see ourselves as a steward, not as an owner. We're to see ourselves as a steward. And that's a huge, huge mindset shift. It's important to know that Psalm 24, verse 1, says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All the way back to the to creation in Genesis 1 chapter 28 the Bible says that God blessed them and said to them go be fruitful and multiply increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and birds of the sky and of every living creature that moves on the ground he gave us dominion it's his he created it he's the owner but he's made us stewards of this and gets and uh, made us stewards of all that he has. Listen, listen, this is good news. <laughs> we get to manage the creator's stuff. That's just, that, how cool is that? We get to manage the creator's stuff. And we do that as we understand that we are stewards and not owners. Now, our sinful nature will want us to say, mine. We've been saying mine since we were in the crib. That's, that's what we do. That's, that's our, it's our sinful nature. We're Lord of our own life, and that's what we have to repent of. And Jesus has to become Lord, and so it's so natural for us to be an owner. 
The world teaches us that we're owners. The world teaches us that, that we just got to get it and go after it and we got to earn it and it's ours and it's when we can do with it what we want to. But God's word says that we're stewards and that's a mighty, mighty, mighty big step. Mindset shift. Many of you have heard messages like this for years and years and, and, and you, you still haven't grasped it. And maybe, maybe each time you've heard a message, you took a little step and then you took another one, but you still haven't totally crossed that line, crossed that line of, 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 of commitment and decision and choice where it, this is not mine. I am a steward of what God has given me. We can be stewards of lots of things. You know, we, we, we talk about finances a, a whole lot and a, when it comes to stewardship. But we can be stewards of a lot of things. The old, the old message that has been preached by preachers for decades on, and decades. Harold, you probably preach a message like this. You know, you, we're, we have to be good stewards of our time, our treasures, and our talent. <laughs> you know, preachers have preached that message forever. And that's absolutely true. True, our time. Our treasure and our gifting, what God has given us. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, James chapter 1, verse 17. Your children are a gift. My children are a gift. And I'm to be a good steward of my children. Josh and Bitsy's life is turned upside down, right? <laughs> what in the world did they ever talk about before, uh, before now they have little Millie to talk about, right? They'll never know. They'll, their life will never, ever be the same again, right? They have been given responsibility over this little creature for 18 years, 20 years, 22 years. And they're to guide and provide for and protect this little creature, this little gift that God has given them. But there'll be a day where they turn loose less and less and they hold not as tight and they let go and they let go and sooner or later it will happen that they have no control anymore. That person's an adult and does what they want to do. And, but it's been our responsibility and their responsibility then to, to steward that gift into adulthood. I, I hear well-meaning. People that say stuff like this are well-meaning. I, I saw it on Facebook just the other day. Somebody said, talking about their wife, said, she's God's greatest gift to me. Um, no, she's not. God's salvation is his greatest gift to you. And that, so that's why when I see myself and I try to look at myself in a biblical way, I first look at myself as a child of God, I, I, as a Christian. It's much more important that I see myself as a Christian first and not as a husband first. If I see myself as a husband first, I got it really mixed up and I'm not going to be the husband or the Christian I should be. I'm not a father first. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not a son first. I'm certainly not a pastor first. The way we see ourselves and the, the way the mindset changes that we can make are what determine our life. And I'm talking about making a mindset change from being an owner to a steward 
First Peter chapter 4 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. He's given you some gifts. And the purpose of that gift is to be able to serve others, other places. It says for the common good. You're to be a steward of what God has given you. When we, when we can see this way, make the mindset shift and change from ownership to stewardship, it makes us grateful people. It makes us thankful people. Ownership makes us us mine people. Makes us hold on tight. Bible, we're, we're to live with, with open hands and open hearts, and it's a lot easier to live with open hands and open hearts if you see yourself as a steward, not as a owner. Big time shift here, friends. Big time shift. Right here. This is where the battle is. The way you think. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Apostle writes, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, whatever that trust may be, would be they must prove faithful. You've been given a gift, you must prove faithful. You've been given a talent, you must be proved faithful. What have you done with what God has given you? Some of you remember the story in Matthew 25, and we're not going to turn there. I'm not going to read it because it's long. I'm just going to tell it to you. But you remember the story of the parable of the talents that Jesus told. Remember what a parable is? It's a story that Jesus made up. It's not a true story. Jesus made it up to illustrate a point. So because he made it up, he could have told it any way he wanted to tell it. And the way he tells it then is important because he's trying to illustrate and trying to make a point. And he, and he tells a story in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 that, that a, a, cer <clears throat> a certain boss is going to go away for a journey. And he's, uh, after he's getting ready to go away, he's going to bring his servants and he says, you know, I'm going to have you manage my stuff here while I'm away. And so he brings servants, three servants to him. And to one servant he gives five talents. Now a talent was not like we understand talents today. A talent was a sum of money. It was a unit of money. It was the X amount of silver or gold. And so with, five, the man, uh, with one man, he gave five talents. And the next man, he came up and he gave two talents. And the, the third man came up and he gave one talent. And the Bible says, <laughs> each according to his ability. Fascinating statement. We hear a lot about equity in this life today. That everything should be fair and same. The Bible says that teaches the owner gave according to their ability. He gave them. And so he goes off on his journey. And so the guy with five talents, that's a lot of money in, in biblical times. And he went and he did business and he invested and he ended up doubling it. He had five more talents, so he had ten talents. The guy with two talents went out and did business and invested it and did whatever he wanted to do with it and came back and he had two more talents, so he had four talents. The guy with one talent takes his and goes and buries it in a field somewhere. So X amount of months pass or weeks or years, I don't know, it doesn't say, but the, the boss comes back and he wants to settle up with his employees here. And so the, the guy with the five talents, they gave five talents, came up and said, here, you gave me five, and I'm giving you five more. Here's ten talents. You know, the boss says, 
well done, thou good and faithful servant. The one with two talents comes up and said, here, Mr. Boss, you gave me two talents, here's two more. He goes, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. The one talent man comes up and said, here, I knew you were a hard man, and, and so I just took this. I didn't want to lose any of it, so I just took it and buried it in the ground, and here's your one talent. Every single penny of it, I didn't lose a single penny. Here, it was right back to you. The boss calls him wicked and lazy. Took, took from that man, gave to the five talent, took his talent away, gave it to the five talent, two talent guy. The Bible says, cast him into outer darkness, is what the scripture says. Friends, what we have, our management of God's stuff, matters. It matters here on this earth, and it also matters in heaven. Because there's one day we're going to stand before God, and he's going to want to know what we did with the talents, the gifts, the graces that he gave us. And we each want to hear, well done good and faithful servant and if that's going to be the case then we, w- we must have done something I believe with all my heart friends that if the one ta- it didn't say this in scripture but I believe this with all my heart that the one talent person had come back and increased and you know what it says in the text the boss says when the one talent man brings back the one talent he says you at least should have taken it to the bank and give me some interest that's what it says in the text you at least should have done that. But I believe if the one talent man had brought back one talent, just one more measly talent and given him two, he would have said, well done. See, listen, th- this is something that's hard to get through people's head. It's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. Well, if I just had as much money as Brian Stahl, you know. If I had as much money as Greg McAfee. Boy, I could really be a good steward then. If I didn't have all these kids right here to provide for. You know, once they're out of the house, boy, will you watch what I'll do with my money then? Bible calls you a fool. But Bible says uh, those that have been faithful in a few things will be faithful in many things. Hey, friends, the way we manage our stuff matters here I don't know how that's going to be when I get to heaven. I, I have no clue how that's going to be. But I think God's going to want to know what I did with my time, with my treasure, with my talents, with my kids, with all the other good things he's given me. What have you done with those? And the type of heaven that I may enjoy have, well, may have everything to do with what I've done, with what he's given me. I told you a few weeks ago, it says it right in, it's, it's in one of the Corinthian letters. It says some people make it to heaven, but they'll smell like smoke because they didn't do anything on earth and everything gets burned up. That's what it says, friends. But some people, the things they did on earth, they will endure through the fire and they'll receive rewards and what the Bible calls crowns. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 
And that won't depend on if, 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 if you receive Jesus or not. That's already been taken care of by your faith and trust in him. But what did you do with what he's given you? Time, talent, treasures. Well, he didn't give me as much as he gave somebody else. Who cares? Each according to his ability. Well, if I had, who cares? If I had the opportunity, well, who cares? If I could have got a college education, who cares? That's not the issue. It's not what you have that matters. It's what you do with what you have. As you're a steward, well, I've, you know, I'm, I, I have not had the education that some people had, okay? Who, who cares? They don't have anything to do with it. Now, you, if you want to, you go get you an education. But if you haven't had an education, you, you work an hourly job, okay, work it to the glory of God. Work it to the glory of God. Well, if I just had this, if I, did, if I hadn't have made those mistakes back then... It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. God knows what you have, each according to his own ability. God knows what you have. It's what you do with what you have. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, passage you've heard before, the Bible says, Jesus says, give and will be given to you. And I believe with all my heart this is a here and now passage and this is a heaven passage. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. You know what that means, don't you? You don't want to empty the trash, you just push it down a little bit more, right? You don't want to take it out yet, it'll hold a little more. God gives this picture that, that give and give, it will be given to you, pressed down. Get all shaken together. Running over, it'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's a here and now passage, and that's an eternity passage because, because our stewardship matters here. Here. And in heaven. And to be a good steward, I've got to step away from ownership. And I've got to step to stewardship that happens right here that happens right here if I live as long as my dad I have 13 years left in, in a few short years whether those be 5, 10, 10, 20 years every single thing I have and own somebody else will have same thing for you all. Same thing for you all. And some of you are young. You're in your 20s or 30s, and you think, well, it's a long way away. Let me tell you, it's in a blink of an eye. <laughs> it's in a blink of an eye. Listen to these people that are older. They'll tell you. It's in a blink of an eye. I've told you a hundred times, you can knock me over with a feather when you remind me that I'm 63 years old. I thought old people were 63. I cannot even fathom where the years went. In a few short years for all of us, everything we have, we'll turn it over to somebody else. We'll turn it over to our kids. It won't be ours anymore. Everything, that, all the stuff that we work so hard about, we fretted about, we, you know, we'll turn it over to somebody else. 
And the only things that we won't turn over to somebody else are the investments that we've made with our time and with our gifting and with our talents. Because stewardship is not only an issue of finances, being good stewards of the money God has given you. It's being good stewards of a lot of things, our time. Well, let me tell you, I don't know if you're like me or not. I can be a whole lot more selfish with my time than with my treasure. Oh, man. I, I, I have killed the dragon of money a long time ago. I, I slit his throat, I, and, and, and I've taken care of that issue. That's not an issue for me anymore. I took care of that a long time ago, early in my Christian life. I was not going to be a slave to money, and I was going to honor God, and I was going to give, save, and spend in that order. But boy, I'm be selfish with my time. I can be selfish with my time. And if there's, this Christian life is about anything, it's about others. What's the biggest, greatest commandment? Love God and love others. And loving others is always an investment of time. It's always an investment of time. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. You cannot do that without an investment of time. He's given us all the same amount of time, and how have we used it? It's a stewardship issue. It's a stewardship issue. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 say this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in Someone is caught in a sin, and you who live by the Spirit should restore them gently. But be careful that you don't get tempted yourself. We just had this happen in our church a few weeks ago. Somebody's gone off the deep end and left their wife. And some guys that love him went to him and said, Hey, man, what's up? Hey, man, what's up? takes time it takes time verse 2 in that passage says carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ I have to step away from ownership of my time to stewardship of my time I've um been to Africa spent 10 days in Africa several years ago and and they have a phrase in Africa that they use about us Westerners you Westerners you have your God on your wrist now I have to admit I got a little perturbed that a 10 o'clock service in Africa starts at maybe 1130 You Westerners, there's always really a fine line in the middle there somewhere. You Westerners, you have your God on your wrist. One great reason for budgeting your time is 
so you can be able to take care of the opportunities that God gives you and not so busy with this and this and this and that game and that ball game and that recital and I'm not putting down any of that kind of stuff. Rick Warren says the best expression of love is time. The best expression of love is time. My wife would say amen. It's her love language. And most of the women in here understand that. Us guys, we don't get that as much. Because we can multitask. And I can watch the bingles and my wife can talk to me at the same time. <laughs> I don't see the problem. But Sue doesn't get it. I tell her I love her when I come away from the TV and look at her. We would not have heard of the Good Samaritan if he did not take time. He wouldn't have made it in the Bible. We, all, we think of the Good Samaritan and all how merciful he was, how loving he was. He, he took this guy and, and, and he puts him up in a hotel and tells the guy provides for his needs and all that kind of stuff. And, and man, what, but all that was predicated on time. All that was predicated on time. I told you, I told you last week, you know, God has put Jason Brunk in front of my face. He's taking time. I don't know where it ends, and I don't know what good I'm going to do, but he's in front of me right now. Put him, we put him up 30 days in a country inn. That's up this week. I don't know what we're going to do with him. I don't know if he's got... I don't know what we're going to do with him. He's got a green Met voucher, but can't find a place. He's got $280 a month in food stamps. Got no disability check, and he's, he's, not, he's not here. I was just told after the first service, people used to know his mother. She was just a street person. and He's, not, you know, he's, just, he's got no family. Uh, Jason takes time. Jason is who God has put in front of me right now to love, and I don't know how that works out, and I don't know the end to that. I don't. I don't, I don't really know. You know, we're not called to love our fellow man. I love my fellow man. That's a cop-out for loving the person that God's put right in front of you. There's a person God has put right in front of you. That's who you're called to love. I'm, 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 I'm rather... Uh, I'm rather uh, there's a lot of tension in my spirit about the, the guy that pushes his buggy up and down Detroit Street right now. You've seen him. Some of you have. It's overflowing. He's got a big black bushy beard. He's schizophrenic. But he's sleeping out when it's two degrees. I don't know what to do with him. I mean, I don't. I just don't feel like Christian when I drive past him. But I don't know what to do with him. I, I can't handle his schizophrenia. I don't know how to deal with that. I could take him and put him up in the country inn, but he may not find his way there the next night. I don't, I don't, man, I, I don't know what to do with him. And I, and, I, and I can't carry the burdens of everybody on my own shoulder. I know that. But all of that takes time. I cannot love one another. I cannot love people without time, investments of time. And I would be a steward 
of what God has given us. Time and treasures, talents, gifting, gifting. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, Paul writes this. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. You have different types of gifts, different types of talents. It's the same Spirit that gives them all. Verse 7 says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. For the common good. And in verse 11, Paul continues, and he says, all these are at work, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit as he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. We've all been given different areas of, of, of talents and gifts. And we, we use the word gifts and, as a spiritual term, and, and there are some gifts that we have that, are, that God can use in a spiritual way, but a lot of it is just the talents that we naturally had that God now uses them in a spiritual way. I've been able to talk since I was eight years old. I didn't, I didn't become a Christian at 34. I've been able to stand up here and do what I'm doing now since I was eight. But when I got saved, God took that talent and made it a gift. And he's going to ask me what I did with that. You know, I got a, you know, what we do every four years in church in Nazarene, we have a review, and the, and the church board reviews the pastor and talks about strengths and weaknesses. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. You know, and I say the same thing at every one of my reviews. As a pastor, I think I'm pretty much average. I said I do one thing well, and that's talk. It's what he's gifted me. It's what I do better than 99% of other people. And that's not bragging. That's just you better know what your gifting is so you can use it. The other stuff, all the other stuff, compassion, mercy, and serving, and administration, and all that, I'm nothing to brag about. But he's put people around me that can do that. Karen has a gift of administration. Karen can keep all that straight. My wife has a gift of administration. Man, she just loves that stuff. We got married, man. I turned it all, all the finances and stuff over to her. We discussed the, the investments, but all the weekly stuff and how she budgets us and how she spends. Man, I look at her little columns, and she marks down every single expenditure we ever make, and all the little columns and all that. I look at that guy's stuff and want to pull my hair out. <laughs> Drives me nuts. I just say it'll all work out some way. But Susan, no, no, no. And there's only, there's only going to be one reason we're going to be okay in retirement. It's because Sue has dealt with it. So We ought to have gifting in certain areas, but we have to have people around us that have those areas of gifting. And it's all in the church. That's what Paul's saying. It's all in the church. Most of y'all can't get up here and do what those folks did. I'm so thankful I don't call Greg Sanders to get up here and sing. You know what? I'd, I'd kill the church if I called Greg Sanders to get up here and sing. Right, right, Missy? Yeah, she knows that. <laughs> There's, everybody's got their own little thing they do. The Bible talks about several gifts. I've just listed some of them up here. Prophecy, that, that means exhorting. It's kind of like what I'm doing right now. Gift of serving, gift of teaching. Gift of encouraging. If, you're, if, you're, if your gift is encouragement, 
encourage. Gift of giving. Some people just, some people have a gift of giving. They just, it's, they just, they're just looking for ways they can help. Some people are better leaders than others. Some people are more merciful than other people. Some people have more faith than other people. They can really step out on faith. That's a gift that they have. Some people are just helpful. They just, they just want to help. They just want to know, where, where can I help? Where can I help? And I can name several of you in the church that have that gift. God calls us to be stewards of those. Whatever those may be. How do I use those for the glory of God? How do I use those, what you've given me? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, James 1.17. What you've given me, how do I use those for the glory of God? That's stewardship. That's stewardship. Now, we could go on and on. I mean, stewardship of our children... I'm not going to say this because I don't know anything about it. It's the stewardship of your body. <laughs> Sue's on me all the time about not eating right. You know, and what she's saying, you know, she's, she's just basically saying, why, why don't you treat your body that God gave you better than, and she doesn't say it that way because, you know, I wouldn't like it if she said it that way. <laughs> But she's right. She's right. So I've just come today to tell you to um, a big step that we have to take is to step away from ownership. That's our default. That's the easy thing. Some of you sitting back there right now and you look at me and you're going, see, you've got an ownership mindset. You don't, you don't know... I work for that, by golly. I put in, put in 60 hours a week last week, by golly. Who gave you the breath to do it? Who gave you the breath to do it? Who gave you the good health to do it? It all could be taken away like that. Like that. <laughs> so, as we consider stepping away from ownership and to stewardship, one of the things that uh, we have to be good stewards of is this message that God has given us. This message of God's grace, this message of his son Jesus Christ, this, this message and these things that God has taught us through this word. Do you realize, and you've got to be careful with this, but do you realize that we understand things other people don't? Do you, do you understand as Christians that we have insight into things unbelievers don't? That things click for us. They don't have the spirit of God. They don't have the spirit. They can't understand like we can. That's what the Bible says. Now, what are we going to do with that, with, with, with that resource that God has given us? How are we going to manage just the truth of God's word that he's allowed us insight into? And that's one of the reasons every Sunday we finish it at the table. God has given us a message. Yes, it's a message of Jesus, but it's, there's, there's so much more in 
The Bible says the message of Jesus is the elementary things of the faith. There's so much more God has given us insight into that other people just don't get. And how are we going to be stewards of that? And I'm not sure I know how to tell you. But as you deal with people, as you deal with people that are in your influence, in your circle of influence, as you deal with those people, as you deal with the people that God brings right in front of you, as you deal with those people, how are you a good steward of insight that you have that other people don't? Now be careful with that because you get puffed up. But by the grace of God, you understand things other people don't. By the Spirit of God, you do. And we're called to be stewards of that. So our servers are coming to the table. And communion this morning is a reminder of this great message that God has given us. This great, great message that God has given us. Not only the message of Jesus, but the, all the truth that he's revealed to us that we understand that our friends don't. That our friends don't. Father, it's the most natural thing in the world for us to be owners, but we're not called to live by the natural. We're called to live by the Spirit. And through the Spirit, we have to step away from ownership and step to stewardship. You are the giver of every good and perfect gift. You've given us so much. And we're to be stewards of it. We're to manage the resources you've given us, whether that's resources of money, of time, of gifting, of kids, of a career, whatever it may be. How do we manage that? And, I, and Father, it's not really up to me to tell everybody how to do that. You've got to speak to them, and they've got to have open ears to listen. So I pray you've been talking to them all through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Our tables are now open. Our altars are open for prayer. I'll lead the rest of you through communion in just a couple of minutes.